listener. For many people, it is the biggest fear when it comes to driving or owning an electric car. Range anxiety. Will I have sufficient energy to get me to where I need to go at least to the next charging point? I would actually love to drive an electric vehicle. Switching to electric seems like a really smart move with the petrol prices being so high. My only worry would be about, you know, how far I can get in one. That trepidation for some uh, might be a fear of the unknown if you are new to this EV territory and it represents quite a hurdle for the greater mainstream take-up or adoption of electric vehicles. It seems like a lot more effort when planning a trip. Like, you're going to have to think about how long the battery is going to last and where you can actually charge up. I mean, are there that many charging stations around? Like, what happens if I miscalculate or, like, the car miscalculates and I'm stuck in some, like, weird place with no way to get home? I mean, can the NRMA come help you or something like that? In our very first episode of a brand-new podcast dedicated to all things electric cars, we will tackle this issue. Welcome everybody to What's Under the Bonnet, all part of an awesome new suite of pods driven by the carsales.com.au team and powered by listener. I'm Greg Russ, delighted to be sharing this journey with Nadine Armstrong, writer, presenter and consumer editor for Car Sales. Hello. Hey Rusty, how are you? I am delighted to be here. I'm a bit envious, a bit (laughs) envious. You have just come back from a beautiful looking family holiday in Europe, leaving kind of the pandemic in the rearview mirror. Well done on that. Any EV driving observations, even ride sharing while you were overseas? Yeah, the holiday was a dream and it was a long time coming for lots of people. You know, it's been some time since we've got away, but I do love going overseas and doing that car spotting. You see stuff you don't see here. But the one thing for me that you real iconic standout is the black cabs in London are now hybrid and fully electric. That seems crazy, doesn't I know, it? I know, I know. I love a black cab. I mean, I'm, you know, hands down, best vehicle for tourists. Lots of history with those those machines, but it is changing. And that is kind of what this podcast is about in some respects, the changing landscape, how you can learn a little bit more about it, even if you're passionate about EVs or a newcomer to this space. Now, Rusty, I've seen you've been in the Ionic 5, but not necessarily just on the tarmac, right? A little bit of slalom action at the Taylor Bend Circuit in South Australia. And with some colleagues, uh, we may or may not have gotten very competitive on the skid pan as well. So, um, <laughs> it happens. It uh, happens. <laughs> quite surprised by, I thought with the um, the way we would be treating it in that environment, because you're not driving it with a sense of, of economy and looking after uh, battery life. You're driving it hard. I was actually quite impressed with how well it lasted. I think, I think it's a great, it's a credit to show that, you know, there was a time when people were really questioning, could an EV be a performance vehicle? Yeah. You know, are they fun? Yeah. You know, yeah. And but, yes is the answer. The first thing I get from the kids, though, is, Dad, that looks so cool. <laughs> that looks so cool. And then I, I get mates who are, what's the launch like? Did you launch? Yes. Yes, yes yeah. of course we did It launch. hasn't taken long for the word to get out, has <laughs> no, it? No, it hasn't. Yeah. It hasn't. Yeah. Coming up in this episode, we want to debunk, demystify, decode some of the things around the subject of range anxiety. We are going to tackle a different topic each ep, and we're going to do that with different people in this episode. So we've got an industry expert coming up. So are we overthinking things? Maybe we can allay some of your fears just by getting a little bit better armed with info on what's here now and what's in the pipeline. 
Ben Warren, National Manager for Electrification and Mobility at Nissan Australia, is coming into the studio very shortly and he's driving the company's EV strategy. And we're also going to meet what we call an EVer. And he's been on an epic road trip in a Tesla in the Aussie Outback. So, yes. On paper, he looks mad, right? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mark Tipping is the co-founder and managing director of Edia Energy, and he's also the president of Tesla Owners Club, and he's going to beam in from Alice Springs. You nearly needed to do that in your best Jeremy Clarkson voice, didn't you? Are (laughs) you mad? Are you mad? Um, We're also going to cross the ditch, Nadine. We're going to talk to a race driver who won an all-electric title for Jaguar on the world stage, and his brother's doing some amazing things in Formula E2. Simon Evans is embedded in the auto industry with the Guild Trap Group in New Zealand, so he's in the game as well as being a racing driver. Um, Is racing still kind of a proving ground for manufacturers? Is it still relevant in that sense? Will the learnings on track help improve the next generation of batteries and EVs that we drive on the road? With our little panel here, why don't we, Nadine, is this subject something that plays on your mind? You've driven plenty of them oh, for work, it's right? It's real. So, it's so real. It's okay, so funny. tell me more about yeah, that. And I'm so glad we're kicking off with this topic because I hear it all the time. I hear it from would-be buyers. We know that range anxiety is real. And I drive a lot of the EVs hitting the Aussie market and I know how to navigate the charging infrastructure. I know the battery potential and I know the range potential and still I get that anxiety. That little flutter, that little... Oh, oh, yeah, oh, it's oh. not a nice flutter, I can tell you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a nice flutter. But I'm, I'm not immune is what I'm trying to say. I still get the anxiety of the average consumer. So if I get that, I can understand how other people are still feeling that. And this is coming from somebody who's more than happy to drive their petrol car when that red light's flashing. Okay? Oh, I love yeah. it. Petrol and I'll drive lotto. it for some time. Petrol for some lotto. time. <laughs> so there's definitely a mind shift that's going to happen. And I, I'm happy to say that I've got some way to go. I've got some issues that need ironing out. Love it. Let's bring in the first of our guests. He's had over 15 years experience in the automotive industry, part of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association, a delegate or speaker, I think, too, at Smart Energy Expo. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Part of his responsibilities at Nissan Australia focus on electrification and mobility. We are delighted to have Ben Warren with us in the studio. G'day. G'day. Thanks for having me. Come on. What did you drive in today? Quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Nissan Leaf. Beautiful. Very happy. Well done. Charging in the building below? No, don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Can we get into the conversation or the thinking around range anxiety. And and I know it's a subject that manufacturers spend a bit of time on. How might we allay some of the fears that are out there? Well, I think the first thing is if someone's anxious about it, if it's their perception, it's real, Mm -hmm. right? Like we talk Mm -hmm. about, is it real? Is it not real? If you believe it, it's real. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the thing that we often think about is trying to break down what we think the range requirement is. And part of that comes from the way we've been conditioned our whole life driving cars is we think about range in what we see when we pull out of the petrol station. Mm. You know, it's one of those things where you don't go there that often and you're not really excited to go to the petrol station. Like the fuel <laughs> I'm, with light, you. I'm with you. Keep going. A <laughs> yeah, little fuel light comes on. You're not punching the air excited by life. Um, and when you drive out, you see, you know, 500, 600, 700 kilometres. Mm. And that's the best thing because that's the longest possible time until I have to come back here. Mm. Um, and so I think people anchor to that. And when you start talking about range, what do you actually need? Because EVs don't work the same way. The fueling experience is very different. Mm. I think that's really good because I, th- I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the average consumer commute is around, and this is the topic, around 34Ks a day. Yeah, it keeps getting shorter. Yeah. Um, obviously, the last couple of years has impacted that. So one of the things that we saw with COVID is the average trips came down mm-hmm. and 
I can tell you, range anxiety is not a problem when you can't go more than five k's from the house. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it, it, 35, 33, there's a few different numbers out there, but it's under 40. Yeah, which is not really very far, is it? And that is at the top end. So yeah. Yeah. And it's not drastically different to other markets around the world either. Like we think about Australia as... This vast this, expanse, yeah. don't we? Mm, it is. Mm, We're a big mm, island. Mm. We've got lots of space. We don't use that much. We all live in, you know, urban populace, drive very similar um, patterns to other markets. So we've got lots of space. We've got red dust. We've got beautiful reefs. We've got all these fantastic things. Yeah. Um, but our driving is... That, that romance is not our daily commute. Not really, yeah. no. We're not living up to the postcards of kangaroos and everything's back out. <laughs> oh, come on. There was a little bit of data that suggested an improvement in range of about, I don't know, whatever it was, 15%. Um, I think that was published back in, in late 21. Can you give us an indication of um, is range looking better than that? Maybe there's some things in the pipeline that would make people feel a bit better? Yeah, well, I guess it's um, the, the product's always improving, right? So battery technology is getting better. We're getting bigger batteries in smaller packages. So range is coming up. So uh, an entry EV in the market, 250, 270 kilometres of range on a full charge, uh, like the entry Nissan Leaf, for example. Um, and then you've got uh, bigger battery options. So 380, 300 plus, 400, some of the future product, 500. There's some product out there that's just pushed past a 1,000. Um, so the range is coming up. But with that comes a few other things, right? Bigger batteries, more mm -hmm. expensive cars, yes. some of those other things. Yeah. And infrastructure is a big part of this, right, Ben? And it's early days for the new Labor government. I don't want everyone switching off as I talk <laughs> politics, but here in Australia. So what kind of commitment uh, are we building new charging points? Is it, is it improving? What, what are we going to see in that space? Yeah, well, I think we're seeing, um, we've been seeing it for the last couple of years, is the number of charges that are around the place are, are springing up pretty quick. There's a lot of commitments from state governments, federal governments, so there's a lot of funds being thrown at charging networks. And so over the next couple of years, we're going to see a massive expansion of what's already there. The thing with chargers is they're not as visible as a petrol station or something like that. You know, they're in car parks or they're kind of tucked out of the way. Um, so you don't notice them until you're looking for them. But when you start looking, there's actually, you know, there's a yeah, growing true. number really quickly. Ben and I are a little bit taken aback there. We thought you were just doing uh, car sales related things, but clearly political commentary is another <laughs> sideline thing for you. Um, historically, it's not been uncommon for manufacturers to collaborate on on other projects, right? So is Nissan partnering with other organisations or brands to, to unearth new EV tech? Because there's different companies out there emerging in this space, isn't there? There is. And and I guess for us as a brand, we're, we're part of what's known as the Alliance globally. So Nissan, Renault, Mitsubishi, and so the three companies are working together on developing products. So we've already seen, you know, Renault taking the lead on some products out of Europe. We're developing a battery platform for SUVs. And so the different brands are working together to kind of spread the love mm -hmm. and, and develop the products in partnership. VFAX numbers for May suggest an increase of 112% on electric vehicle sales compared to same time last year. We are, to, to underline this, admittedly working from a, a low base, right? But how long before you reckon those numbers might take off properly, make an impact on mainstream? Yeah, look, I think um, we know there's demand out there and we're seeing the growth. Given it's on a small base, this is where percentages are your friends. Mm. Um, but but um, I, I think over the next couple of years, we're going to keep seeing that growth. And the trends that, that we're seeing here are not dissimilar to what maybe we saw in some European markets, albeit they're five or 10 years kind of ahead of us. Mm -hmm. But the rapid growth is, is coming. It's just going to be around uh, how many cars can get into the country and, and how do we prioritise the market. And in terms of getting that groundswell that we're really looking for, how much of an impact do you think the range anxiety is having there? Yeah, good call. Uh, 
look, I think range is always one of the top kind of three things. You know, whenever we stand next to a car at a trade show or something like that, we answer the same three questions basically every time. And range is certainly up there. And it kind of comes back to the point before around what is your range expectation mm-hmm. um, and how do we turn range anxiety into range confidence and start thinking about it a bit differently. So I mentioned about the fuel station, 600 kilometres driving out thing, but we drive 35, 36 k's a day and we can refuel anywhere we've got a power point. So we don't have to go anywhere. If you can park off street and plug in in your driveway, you can plug it in and charge overnight. So you can top it up and the next morning you're ready to go again. So it's about thinking about what the type of driving you're doing and how many Ks you do on your regular trips, but also those longer ones. Where do you go on the weekends or Mm. where do you like to go? Punch the addresses into Google Maps or something and look at how far it is in Ks because we always think about our driving in how long it takes us to get there. Mm. When you think about the Ks... Mm. Yeah, most times it's not a lot. It's a different way of thinking, as we were talking before about it. There is a bit of a mindset shift that needs to happen. But I like, you yeah, thinking about if there's a plug, then, you know, you've got access to power. Yeah, if you've got power, you've got a petrol station, yeah. essentially. But Ben, um, we're going to ask you to take that manufacturer cap off for a minute. Be ooh, honest, ooh, be honest. Hard hitting. <laughs> Do you yes. look at that battery indicator, that percentage, that number, because I stare at it. And do you look at that more than you would a normal fuel gauge? Or do you look at the fuel gauge more? Uh, look, you probably do look at it a little bit more. I'm fixed on it. Yeah, I'm not quite at, the, at that level. Uh, I've made peace with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking, yep. I like So, that. yeah, you very quickly get a feel for the types of driving you're doing mm. and, and, and the consumptions, and you just become more and more confident. So um, certainly, you know, whenever we, when we first started getting into electric vehicles within our own fleet, you know, people were cautiously feeling out the drives and getting a little bit more confident and starting to tackle longer journeys and you build up to it. I love that you mentioned, you know, depending on the way you drive as well, because I think we forget like a normal car, if you're going to plant your foot, then that impacts your range. Well, this is one of the fun things about EVs, right? Why yeah. are you guys <laughs> looking at me? <laughs> a skin pan man. <laughs> yeah. The heavier your right foot is, it will make a difference in consumption. But also that is, you know, one of the fun things about EVs, right? They're responsive and fun to drive and yeah. it's good. Yeah. Myth number one debunked. Producer Todd, who's with us in the studio, is worried if he's in slow Sydney traffic, for example, and although it might only be a short 5K journey or something, it might take a lot longer, does that use more battery life? And he's a man of creature comfort, so if he's got all sorts of things cranked up, is that going to use battery power too? Oh, Todd, let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, just take a moment. Um, so the, the slower you go, the more range you get. So because the vehicle's not working as hard, it's not fighting against aerodynamics or these other things. So as you're crawling along in city traffic, that's the most efficient the EV will get. Also, as you're slowing down, you're getting regenerative braking and all these other things. So firstly, in a city, more case. In terms of creature comforts, obviously EVs are packed with lots of those, um, but things like the heater and the air conditioner, they do consume power as well. Mm-hmm. So in a cold day, like we're in Melbourne here, it's a bit fresh at the minute. Snow season's kicked off a bit earlier, so that's that's nice. But uh, instead of using the heater, um, heated seats. Mm. In the Nissan Leaf, heated steering wheel. Um, the things that you touch because direct contact heating is more efficient than blasting hot air at you. So those little things can get you a bit more range as well. Ben, you also talked about that there are three things that people always ask about EVs, the top one being range anxiety or at least one of them. What are the other two? Yep. So typically um, the the first three questions you get is how much is it going to cost? How far can I go? And how long will it take me to charge? Yep. Um, Which is always an interesting conversation because we start to challenge the natural assumptions mm. that we've accrued over our whole lives, particularly around range and charging. Yeah. 
and I would like to hold myself up as a fairly intelligent person, well-researched on the topic of charging, but there are so many different ways to charge your EV, aren't there? Well, I guess yes. I mean, <laughs> typically, well, they're all the same at the end of the day because it's power coming from one mm. spot to mm-hmm. the next, but... Um, yeah, the method in which you get the power into the car. So and, uh, how, and how fast that tops you up, I guess. Correct. Yeah, the speed, how long it takes to charge is, depends how fast the charger is. Um, so home at a power point or a dedicated charging station gets a little bit faster. And then the ultra rapid charges on the freeways and those sorts of things. So it really depends. And if I'm on the freeway and I haven't been staring at that range and I'm out, what happens? Well, if you run out of charge, it's the same as running out of fuel. You're going to have I to... I cry. Yeah. First, once you get over the emotional uh, the, the emotional barrier of what you've just done, um, you'll call roadside and they can't send out a couple of litres of fuel, obviously. Uh, a lot of roadside vehicles now are getting equipped or the newer ones are getting equipped with generators so mm-hmm. they can give you a little bit of a charge, um, but they'll put you on the, on the flatbed and they'll tow you to the nearest charger so you can recharge. Thank you for answering that because I went out on the streets and looked like a complete weirdo with a microphone and that was one of the concerns at the very top of the show from um, the people on the street... They also drew the parallel of, you know, if you run out of charge on your phone, you can get a power pack for that. Can you do something similar with an EV? Well, I guess if you've got a, a, a portable generator or something like that, then yes, you could. Um, oh, I just happen to have less, one of those yeah, here, Ben. <laughs> slightly less uh, convenient than the, uh, than the portable battery in the, in the handbag. But, um, but yes, you can if you can get power to the car. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Great insights there, and I love the fact that we probably need to take the blinkers off a little bit and think about applications, short city driving that we regularly do, and some of the tech that is in the pipeline with longer battery life coming and things like that. Well done, and thank you for coming into the studio and sharing a bit of that with us today. Not a problem. It's time for a segment we call Meet an EVR. It kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, Rusty? Is that like, is that like an acronym, EVR? EVR? <laughs> Mark Tipping is a technology strategist. He wears a Disruptor badge with honour and is immersed in the energy sector as co-founder and MD of EDEA Energy. He's also currently on a heck of a mission driving a Tesla through the outback. And as luck would have it, he's in Alice Springs today and we've tracked him down for a chat. Mark, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Great to have you, Chad. Well, tell us about the road trip, where you're off to, why you're doing it, and more specifically, why in a Tesla? Well, we're effectively doing the half a lap is the easiest way to describe it. We left uh, Melbourne a couple of weeks ago with work all up the east coast, um, as far north as Townsville, and then we got to Townsville when we were planning the trip, we we sort of went, hmm, let's turn left. And, uh, and continue inland, <laughs> just as you do. So, yeah, so we decided we'd turn left. We're doing some work with um, some of the communities and homelands so understanding their energy requirements. So we decided we, we would turn left and head off to uh, Tennant Creek. And, uh, and then from Tennant Creek, we met with um, the Ari Karung mob and also some of the elders as well from Tennant Creek. And, um, and now we've continued south into Alice and uh, after here, We've got some of the local communities we're visiting as well and the hospital and things like that. And then we're off round Kings Canyon, round to Uluru, and then from there back into Eldundra or Yundundra, and then south through Coobapedi and down to the good old township of Burra in South Australia for those who like to have a glass of wine. And then after that, we actually head across to Canberra and then before heading back into Melbourne. So she's a bit of a journey, a bit of fun. Just amazing. How much planning has gone into this and, and what kind of 
learnings along the way? I mean, if you've gone hard left somewhere, <laughs> off script kind of thing, uh, is there anything that, um, that, that's that been challenging in that regard on the way to Alice? There's been a couple of lessons learned. Um, but um, here's the fun part. It's much to my chief of staff, Franca, who's travelling with me. I don't actually plan that much. So when, <laughs> when now he does, as you can imagine, Franker is a planner, being chief of staff. But anyway, so when I'm travelling up the east coast, I've got Tesla superchargers and all those things that I know are going to work. So you don't even have to think about it; you just drive. When we decided to turn left, well, my planning was I got out there an app called PlugShare, which has all the charging stations in the world on it, and I pulled out one of the old road atlases, and I made some notes on the map, going, oh. Camerwheel, there's a charging spot there at the ROCQ, write that on the map. Oh, there's another one over there at three ways, that's a good three phase. And I just basically wrote down some of the charging stations and went, let's go. And um, with a view. It feels like worlds colliding here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Look, it's a simple <laughs> philosophy we have where. Um, driving in the outback, we don't want to do too many miles a day, of course, and we're visiting communities. So. Our car will do about 400 to 450 kilometres on a charge. We go to bed at night with the plugged into a three-phase and we wake up in the morning with it charged. So then we drive along and we'll stop somewhere for lunch and plug the car in and then we just continue on until the end of the day and um, plug it in again. So it's actually, for us, it actually doesn't require that much planning. The big thing that we need to make sure we do, though, is we have a buffer just in case something's not working. Because that could be a real bummer. Yeah, which because something something always goes wrong, yeah. doesn't it? We we've been talking about range anxiety, and and it feels like you said you don't plan much, but it sounds like you've got that covered. It's like when you're out in the middle of nowhere in the outback, you know, no one else to hear you crying. Is that anxiety? Is that more or less? Like how how do you deal with that when there are no charging well, points? The thing is there are because my worst case scenario, which would take a long time, is I could go and knock at a house and say, "Can I please plug in a power cord?" And that's my absolute worst. I never want to do it because I'll be sitting there making mm. friends for about 48 hours or something silly like that. <laughs> we'll be good, we'll be good friends at the end of it or mortal enemies. But anyway, um, but no, it, because they're every 150 to 200 kilometres, so there was the Electric Vehicle Association and Tesla Owners Club actually sent some people out on missions to install three-phase charging in various roadhouses right around the country. So we avail of those and we pop in and we see and they're all marked up. So it's not as daunting as what most people think. The challenge is if you arrive somewhere expecting to get, say, three-phase charging and it's not available and suddenly you've got to spend Mm. a lot more time than you planned. Or um, as we discovered when we were coming down from Tennant Creek, Barrow Creek, a couple hundred kilometres south, um, where we were hoping to grab a bite to eat and a charge. Well, they were shut for 48 hours due to COVID, so we couldn't get a charge there. But because we plan, there you go, I did use that word, um, on having a bit of a buffer (laughs) so that if there's something wrong, we can always get to the next one. Um, we were quite right to, mm-hmm. to travel into tea tree. We just slowed it down a little bit. So what sort of um, impact is the weather having? So, you know, the you know, hotter, cooler climates, what, how is that affecting your range? Range is impacted by cold weather, but the big killer is rain and storms. So if you think about when you're driving in the rain, your, your tyres are picking up tonnes and tonnes of water and that causes a lot of drag. And my one of my very few experience of genuine range anxiety 
was actually driving from Melbourne to Ballarat one day when, a, when one of those infamous westerly storms hit. And um, I was only halfway there and I'm watching my range drop and drop because it wasn't fully charged when I'd left Melbourne because I didn't expect to need it. And um, I actually frantically got on the phone and rang one of the guys that pioneered the Round Australia route to say, uh-oh, what's the most efficient speed I can sit on to eat the most mileage because I don't know if I'm going to make Ballarat. And uh, as it is, we yeah. dropped the speed down and... Um, and down to a terrible 70 kilometres an hour because that is the most efficient speed and uh, just watched the trucks coming up behind and flash the hazards on so that they knew we were going slow and and as it turned out we made it all the way into Ballarat and jumped on the charger with about two percent to spare. I love that you've got that network to tap into that's really and I have found that with Tesla owners there is quite a camaraderie there isn't there? Yeah there is um I think it's it's across most EVs these days. There is a little bit of you know brand competition, but you get that in um, in everything. Oh, no. You know, just a little bit. I used to drive Ferraris. Yes, there was a little bit of that going on, but um, no, no, no. There's, there there is a lot, and there's, it's actually quite interesting because um, you know charging stations aren't prolific, and, and many of them are, are single points, so they're single posts. One guy gets on there, no one else can charge until they're finished. But we often see people going, oh, I'm not really in a hurry. I'll jump off, you jump on and, uh, and continue on your way and then I'll, then I'll finish charging after dinner sort of thing. And we see, we see a bit of that going on. Mark, a little thing that's come out of this conversation is that there are more charging stations in central Australia than perhaps people listening may realise. And you are with, a uh, little whisper, mm-hmm. uh, you are with local legend Hunter Murphy, aren't you, who is the first owner in the outback of an EV, am I right? He's, a fir- he's definitely the first Tesla owner um, yep. out, out in Alice Springs in the Outback and, and that car's done hundreds of thousands of kilometres through the Outback because part of his work is he, he's maintaining uh, telecommunication systems and things so he'll drive out to Uluru, he'll drive out to Upper Conductor West and um, <laughs> and get the work done all, all via Tesla and um, there's, there's now a dozen Teslas, I believe, in, um, in the Alice and a number of other EVs all getting around. So um, it is, we perceive living in the cities that um, country folk do big miles because we drive a long way to visit country folk. But if you're living in the country, most of the time you're only driving around your town. And uh, this was brought home to me when um, we went out to Dubbo and opened a supercharger out there. And um, one of the locals walked up to me and said, oh, I've just got a Nissan Leaf coming, one of the early ones. And I went, oh, it's only got about 90 kilometres of range, doesn't it? And he said, yeah, but I only ever drive around Dubbo. I only need 30k a day. And it was that was I had an aha moment at that point. Horses for courses. Yeah, I had the aha mm. moment was well, actually, yeah, you're right. You live in the country. You don't need to drive to the country. You're already there. So, <laughs> so those short range ones were fine. But yeah, Mark, is this a bit like? summiting a mountain and kind of ticking a little bucket list thing off and once you've done it you're done or are you thirsty for more road adventure of this kind here i haven't done the west of australia yet there we go okay are you planning mark are you planning Uh, no i've got a concept We, 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 in the office, I have to call it a concept, but I'm not allowed to call it a plan unless I write stuff down. Okay. But uh, no, we do have a concept of, of travelling. We did actually look at travelling out to Kintor. Um, for those who know where Kintor is, it's 530 kilometres west of Alice Springs in the middle of, just before the Western Australian border. 
in one of the more remote communities. And um, But I've been told that the road's probably too rough. I can get there when it rains, but it might just shake the car apart because it's uh, more four-wheel drive stuff. So, uh, but okay. yeah, but we're, no, we're quite willing to um, give it a shot. <laughs> hey, how can people find out more about this adventure? Because fans are following this, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We're, there's actually a website, so a webpage set up on the Owners Club. If you go to teslaowners.org.au slash tracker, um, it actually shows, it's just span out, It'll, it shows where I am in the country at the moment. And there's a couple of other people on uh, around Australia trips as well that will soon be added onto that tracker as well, just so you can see how many cars are actually in the outback. Great stuff. Say day to Outback EV for us. Bit of a, a legend in the middle there. Safe travels and thank you very much for chatting to us on What's Under the Bonnet. It's absolutely a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Time to bounce through a bit of news. Best place to go, incidentally, is carsales.com.au forward slash electric. All sorts of stories floating around there. Can we talk, you and I, some new model cars? 22 Kia Nero just a couple of weeks away. or And that's what we all want to know, what's coming, don't we? Mm. There's always been thin on the ground in terms of actual product range. Australians are it's mad. coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. We promise. Next quarter. Next quarter. Yeah. We want SUVs and we want dual cab utes in electrics. But you know, what have we got now? We've got an updated Kia Nero, and I think it's going to be great. One mm-hmm. thing, there's lots of product, yep. so people are not going to be. They say they're know, not going to struggle, don't yeah, they? Like yeah. unlike the EV6. Exactly. People mm-hmm. wanted the EV6 and they can't have it. So now we've got this. Um, you know, as far as Kia is concerned, everything they're doing is great. You know, the product is fantastic. So I, I think it, it will be a good thing for everybody. Shape looks good and it'll suit our yeah. market, won't it? Yeah, tech savvy, smart car. Callum Hunt has written a piece on the 2023 Polestar 3 electric SUV. 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 Yes, here we go. And again, I mean, Scandi. Savvy looks mm. good, doesn't it? It does. It yeah. looks really it, it's good. It's eye-catching. People are going to love it. A different platform and architecture to the CV, or the C40, I should say, too. And um, power and torque should be pretty handy. Yeah, and they're tipping it as a performance SUV. So, again, you know, debunking some of those myths that it's not fun, it's not fast, it will be both, I suspect. Unlike me, better hip lines, tapered roof lines, 22-inch <laughs> alloys. We like, <laughs> we like that sort of stuff. Uh, Fiat 500e. This is going to be... Uh, a little bit of a controversial topic because not everyone is a fan. Well, it hasn't been a huge selling vehicle in Australia, overseas, sure, but for our market, no. And and is this a bit of a stepping stone as opposed to bringing a dedicated electric vehicle, calling it something different? We're going to ease our Fiat buyers into the electric mode. I don't know. Mm, Take the existing and bolt something in. Yeah, pop an E on the end. Buick becoming an EV brand by 2030, and they are potentially coming down under. That wildcat concept looks doesn't it? mega. It looks mega. fantastic. And, I mean, if they just you know get hits alone on looking at it, then... Now, can we get your teeth and my teeth into a subject here of Ford looking at fixed-price online EV sales? Is this a good move, do you reckon? Yeah, well, they're talking about this is for their North American market, and I guess... It is the way of the future, but my fear is, is this too much too soon? Mm. We're talking about fixed price. Okay, I guess that takes out of that haggling for some people, which Mm -hmm. can cause some anxiety and people don't like that kind of confrontation. Um, So sure, fixed price, but all online? Is this a leap too far for people who are already feeling a little Nervous bit out of their enough. depth? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I don't know, that trust issue, I, th- I think, you know, that's still there. It's like going into a bank is, oh, no, you just go online and do that. <laughs> they're, already, <laughs> they're already nervous enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So who knows? But, yeah, that's that's my feeling is, you know, sometimes we do need baby steps. Now, that's you and I talking. 
But the boss, the boss man's yeah, been on the singers, road, hasn't our he? Editor in chief, Mike Sinclair. He's been on the road. He's caught up with Justin Hokvar. He's the head of APAC region for Ineos Automotive, and he's talking electric four by fours. And the conversation began on the company's transition to EVs. You know, obviously we're a, a new brand in the auto space, and our focus at the moment has been all about internal combustion. We still think that those customers need a vehicle at a certain price point and without the sort of the payload of a lot of batteries and certainly range uh, right here right now but we know that to remain relevant we have to be able to offer other powertrains and so we're really looking in two directions in our large grenadier we're exploring hydrogen fuel cell and for this newly announced vehicle electric is certainly right on the radar this vehicle though is not going to be a toy it's still going to be a in the Ineos world it's still going to be an absolute you know proper off-road vehicle just battery powered absolutely so true to our dna uh true to the purpose of the brand uh it still has to be incredibly capable durable you know and of course attainable as well for people to be able to access this kind of vehicle do we have any indication on the timeline for this vehicle obviously it's very early days you know so jim's just really just announced it so yeah early days i think um too early to, to make a call on when it's going to come. But look, you know, I think if you look to the various constraints that are coming out of the jurisdictions around the world right now, we know that, you know, we're all moving towards certain deadlines, you know, and as I said, you know, to remain relevant, you've got to be prepared. Australia is um, an important market for Grenadier, for the for the ICE vehicle. Do you see Australia is going to be an important market for this new um, electric 4x4 from Ineos? Yeah, I, I, I do, because, you know, I think that whilst our, in the Grenadier, what we'll launch with and build our brand and network and, and first customers with, there's certainly a great market for that type of vehicle. But the lion's share of the Australian population lives in large urban islands up and down the coast. And there's a lot of people that also share their vehicle for urban mobility with the Great Escape. So offering you know, kind of the best of both worlds will be important. And, you know, I think that finally it seems that, you know, the tide of political attitude has started to change and we might see a bit more focus and emphasis on the importance of establishing infrastructure and all the other aspects of the industry that need to come along. Fittingly, he was in a car for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love what Justin's talking about, remaining relevant. I mean, that battle to remain relevant globally is hard, I'm sure, but Aussies want everything, don't they? We they want do. the city car, but we also want to go outback in an electric vehicle. A 4x4. A 4x4. We're obsessed with those things, aren't we? <laughs> Podcast at carsales.com.au. Uh, hit us up, email us if you want to know some news about your favourite mark, what they're doing in the EV space. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, what are your concerns? We, we think we know what they are, but let us know. Each episode here on What's Under the Bonnet, we are going to feature a high-profile guest in the EV space. Could be a celebrity owner, an exec, or a successful business person that is on board the EV train. Today, it is a race driver who's won a title on the world stage in Jaguar's one-make, all-electric I-Pace e-trophy series. And his brother, Mitch, is doing amazing things um, in Formula E2, winning races, currently fourth in that uh, in that championship Simon Evans is on the line from Auckland, New Zealand. Hello, kia ora, as the Kiwis say. Yeah, kia ora. Uh, how, how's everyone? Hey, we're fantastic. Hey, was range anxiety a thing for you and for fellow competitors in this series? Was there a need as a racer to kind of be judicious strategically with the with the battery? Yeah, so lucky for us, um, 
we, we didn't have any range anxiety. So the way they did our series for the first two years was um, they just wanted us to drive flat out. And that was one thing which was quite good is that obviously there is something around electric cars is they drop performance over that period, you know, over 25 minutes of hardcore driving where these didn't. So they wanted to showcase that off initially. And then I think season three, they were going to, you know, bring that in, you know, some energy management and, you know, so we, we had to manage that. But unfortunately, you know, it was one of the casualties of COVID and we never actually got to do a season three. Um, but uh, yeah, it was at that point where you just drove flat out um, just to show that there was no performance drop. So, I mean, I love that you said you don't have range anxiety. Okay, so, so there's one thing I really need to hone in on that. But I guess what I really want to know is motor racing has always been a really great proving ground for things. And, and I think about, um, you know, from this series and Formula E, which your brother races in, are there learnings from these series that help in things like battery development? Yeah, there absolutely is. So at all our races, um, so M Sport, a world-renowned motorsport team, ran all our cars, plus the team from um, SV or Jaguar. They were at all the rounds as well. So we actually completed season one. Then about two months after that, a software update came out for all the iPace owners and they got a like a 20-kilometer range increase. And that was just through fine-tuning the software, you know, through the um, regeneration and, and other parts. So, and they got that out quite quick, you know, within two to three months of the season finishing. So, yeah, they were obviously it was great. You know, I, as a race driver, I got to travel the world racing, but they were very clever about how they utilised the series as well. You know, the Joe public could actually benefit from it as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think, you know, motorsport does it a lot. And uh, if you think about performance, it, it just uh, absolutely crushes the myth that... Uh, EVs are not fast and fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's it obviously with, um, you know, what Formula E is doing as well and the way they structure their races is if they drove flat out from the start of the race, they cannot get to the end. So it puts a lot of emphasis on the manufacturers to, you know, develop a, you know, more efficient powertrain, a better regeneration system and, and all like that. So if they do find that, you know, the magic bullet, they, they'll be carving up the races. Um, and I think that's why there's a lot of manufacturer interest in it because they know that what they are learning with Formula E teams, or I do know that what they are learning with the Formula E teams is trickling down to the road cars, whether it's this year or next year. You're from a family of purist races. Even your, your dad's done some great things as far as motorsport is concerned. Has this kind of changed your thoughts perhaps on electric cars and racing them? It, it absolutely has. You know, it's um, just understanding it. You know, you think you know a lot about it and then you actually get involved and you realise that you you are very naive to, to a lot of it. Um, What'd you learn? What'd you learn? Oh, just, you know, about, you know, thermal temperatures and keeping them under control is quite an, an you know, important factor, um, you know, how the regeneration works and, and just all about, you know, emissions and small stuff that you don't even really pick up on. All the kind of things that, that you know, these words are going to pop into our conversations exactly. more, more frequently, aren't yeah. they? They're, they're going to be common terms. Eventually, people will understand these things. Yeah, yeah, they are. You know, it's um, there's no two ways about it. They are coming and they are very cool as well in terms of driving electric cars, race cars. But yeah, like would I drive an electric car? Absolutely. You know, they are very, very cool. So I would... I would absolutely own one today, just knowing that, you know, you still get that sports car performance, you still get that feel and everything about it. 
In addition to your racing, you've worked with the Giltrap Group. That's New Zealand's biggest dealer group. And they've got all sorts of brands. So is anxiety, that range anxiety, still something that customers are nervous about when it comes to either, you know, buying your first EV or just any kind of purchase decision? Absolutely, you know. Um, obviously, with the way that fuel price is going at the moment, we're obviously getting a lot of interest about it. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're getting a lot of petrol heads convert to it, you know. And, you know, the people who've got range anxiety don't own electric cars. You know, and that's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> you know where all the charge stations are. You know, you, you prepare differently. You know, you charge up at home. So um, when people do a lot more research and understand it and that, it definitely helps, you know. And, you know, it's great with my experiences. I can sort of talk them through and coach them, you know. And, you know, like Rusty said, we're a petrolhead family, but my mum now drives an electric car yeah. and, and, you know, full. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've still got one electric car and then they still might have a combustion engine you know, just to sort of slowly bring it in. But, you know, once the range increases, which it will do in the next year or two, uh, you know, there's no reason why you can't have two electric cars in the family. You're a proud dad now. Little Matilda arrived in May. Congratulations. Looking ahead, mate, can you see, you know, life for her and first car for her all those years down the track will be be, be different, won't it? It absolutely will. Um, even now, you know, we look, my, you know, I work with the Gildraps and then now I've got Polestar and I'm trying to levy to get myself a Polestar, a full electric car, so we can, you know, for my driving that I do is here to work and then we've got a family car that we can, you know, use down the track, um, you know, to go away on holidays. Um, but she will be driving an electric car, you know, in 15 years' time, whether it's a, a hybrid or, or not. Maybe a racing one, hey? <laughs> Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, sort of was like, well, do I was like, as oh, I say, not cheap, as I do. Actually, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I was, I was happy as a girl, yeah, because I was in my back pocket. But then actually, uh, girls are pretty competitive these days yeah, in a race car. There. So, <laughs> but hey, hey, you talk about you know you've got two cars. So, what about getting out on the open road? So, what's the infrastructure like over there? Uh, is there a hesitation around the family trip to do that in an EV? There is, you know, and but there's some great websites and tools that you know we show people like um, the great website plugshare.com, you know, and it's got all the EV stations, you know, around the country and you can see when it's in use, you can see if it's a free or a high power on that. But even some of our supermarkets and that say like foodstuffs with New World and Pack and Save, they've been very proactive actually putting these charging stations in their supermarkets. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you travel to, if there's a Pack and Save or a New Build, you're going to be, you know, safe in terms of a, a charging, uh, you know, unit. Yeah, I think that's smart. So it's about planning, you know, thinking about your everyday life. So if you're going to go to the supermarket, you can charge there. But also, you know, planning ahead for your trip. So it, I think there is a change around, you know, being a little more mindful about how far you're going and where you need to stop. Yeah, I think, we're, you know, we've been very spoiled. That, you know, we can literally jump in a car. We don't have to think about, you know, we just know there's a petrol station somewhere. And it's actually no different with the charging station. It's just learning where they are, you know, down the track. And over the next year or two, you'd easily be comfortable in learning that. Before we let you go, I think you're on the Porsche side with Giltrap now. Are you sneaking out when there is, albeit all the supply issues everyone's facing at the moment, are you sneaking out in a little, electric, not little, beautiful electric Porsche at any point? Yeah, we've just had arrived the um, Utaikan GDS, which is I'm superb. I'm away. I'm away. <laughs> and uh, yes, that's good. And obviously a lot of interest, you know, this, we've got the Cross Turismo here now and the station wagon, which suits New Zealand lifestyle to an absolute tea. So whenever we need to whip up the road, that's definitely the car of choice at the moment. Sounds like a good family trip to me. Awesome. Hey, it's been great to chat with you about this. I know, I think from memory, the uh, the winning iPace 
um, e-trophy of yours is doing the tour around the country. People have been able to uh, to see that. Congratulations on that. And thanks for chatting a bit about it with us. No problem. It's, um, hey, I'm excited about what, what the future has to hold of this. Um, I'm a petrol head at heart, but you know I'm excited about the future and where this development's going. Great stuff. We're nearly out of time. Not quite out of charge. I can't well, believe that. Oh, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's this episode of What's Under the Bonnet. Looking forward to next month because you're keen to tackle charging, aren't you? I think so. And there's two parts to that, I guess. Charging infrastructure, generally speaking, so on the highways, mm-hmm. but also at home. What are the options for people? And I think that's also a hurdle... And I'm going to get on my high horse here. Did you ride your high horse in today? <laughs> Come on. Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay, enough. I do not have off-street parking at home. Uh-huh. So I am relying on destination charging. So I'm, I'm really keen to know what other people think. I know I'm not alone. My suburb, a lot of people don't have garages. So what do people do? And yeah, I admit there have been a time when I've had a power cord running over my veranda, <laughs> down the tree out the front and into the car. That's not yeah. on your Instagram, Don't tell is the it? council. <laughs> not on your Instagram, is so, it? So, yeah, I think there's a lot to discuss there. Cool. Lots to cover. Uh, so charging next month from at home to things like the brand new superhighway that they're talking about in Queensland, whatever, we'll tackle that subject. And you might have some views on that. And if you've got views on today's show, we'd love you to be part of it. Maybe you're contemplating or doing a massive road trip like Mark Tipping. Where'd you go? What'd you drive? Email us, podcast at carsales.com.au. You can hit us up on socials too, Facebook, for example. Uh, How did you feel about the subject of range anxiety? Have you calmed a little? Do we need a little bit of yoga music or something underneath here? We know know it's real. We know it's real. You're not alone. (laughs) Don't feel bad. Podcast at carsales.com.au. Join the show. And for more info in this space, just go to the Car Sales Electric website, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. On behalf of Nadine and all of our team, I'm Greg Rust. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Listener Production.